Okay. Well, Taz, we have a great guest today. Our guest synchronizes life so gracefully straight from the heart. An author, a painter, and a poet, Stefan Lindstedt led us from the unconscious to the conscious state of being through his awesome works. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. Well, I'm Taz, and um, how fortunate can we be with Stefan Lindstedt's art, alchemy, and transformative skills supported by using poetry. He allows us to capture with his modalities a heart essence that normally would not be available to us, unless, of course, we too may have traveled in similar footsteps. But Stefan is a naturopathic doctor and is a certified nutritional consultant. He has studied bioenergetic medicine in Germany, is certified in quantum medicine by the American Academy of Quantum Medicine, and serves on the Council of the Holographic Association. Paula, tell us more. Well, in 2002, Stefan developed the quantum healing codes from the discoveries of Joseph Puello. Scalar heart connection evolved from his understanding of the ge- geometric behind these codes and as well as figuring eight techniques used by the Tibetan monks. Well, to Stefan, really, you're welcome to be in on our show. We are so proud to have you. Um, you have so much accomplishments in your lifetime. Did you start with the art, or uh, where did you start from all of this? Yes, hi, Paula. Hi, Taz. Um, I had started basically with art. I have been passionate about the visual arts since I was in junior high school, probably even before that. And I think that has led me down a path of art and poetry, which to me is a, a communication or a dialogue with, I would say, the, the unconscious or those metaphysical aspects that I find that only words or symbols or images can relate to. So I think that is what opened up that heart aspect. So you actually uh, found that when you were doing um, all these beautiful the artistic part of you, it was coming through the heart? I think so. I always feel that when I'm painting, you tend to go into this extra space, this kind of zone where um, you are not engaging in your mind anymore. You're picking up whatever intuition is is coming from that space. And I've I've learned that that is... um, really coming from the heart. I've read a lot about um, Sufism and Buddhism and different sort of metaphysical paths, and one of the things that the Sufis always talk about is how the the heart is the interface between the unseen and the the seen, between the physical and the the non-physical, if you will. Uh, Well, the heart math people, I'm sure you probably have heard of them, um, say the heart is a, a second brain. Yes, I'm very familiar with their work, and they they talk about the heart having its own mini brain, as you will. Uh, that the brain contains all the neuropeptides and their receptor sites that the brain has, and uh, the other emotional centers. So, science uh, going back to Candace Peart in the late '90s had already started to map out all these molecules of emotions 
and was showing how that information goes from the heart to the brain, uh, more so than from the brain to the heart. I'm thinking that maybe as you're as you're working and painting, I can just imagine your heart singing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's um, it's very addictive. I I love to paint. Um, I love to be in that that extra sensory space of writing poetry. Uh, um, I like to meditate, where again you're in that theta brainwave state, which is that very creative state. Well, I know the poetry for myself. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say poetry for for me um, helps me work through things. I mean, the words come through, and it's like when I'm uh, working with poetry, it's like my own counselor. <laughs> yes, it's very cathartic in that way. That it really, especially if you have emotional uh, childhood issues, um, that is a great way of bringing those things up that we don't always express verbally. And sometimes we, our cells and our body have experienced these things but doesn't have a way necessarily to process them or assimilate them. And poetry is a wonderful way to express those feelings. Well, I was looking at some of the painting, and I'm questioning them. You spoke about symbols um, and so I'm looking at, okay, um, do you see a symbol before you begin painting, or is there just some kind of connection where you just kind of sit down and just start flowing, or what happens? Well, that's a excellent question. Um, I, um, I think the answer to that is I'm very interested in the idea of the feminine. I find that our society has gotten away from the matriarchal, that feminine archetypal energy. And so I have recently been doing a lot of artwork that is related to symbolism of the return of that feminine that I I find that is happening in today's uh, society. More and more people are gravitating to that intuitive feminine energy. So when I painting, I know that I want to or am inspired by that feminine idea, but at the same time, if I allow myself to pre-plan too much, then I step out of that intuitive arena and I go too much in brain consciousness, and I find I always ruin it when I do that. So the challenge is to have an idea, but then to let it percolate and let these symbols come up. A lot of times they come up in dreams, and then it's when I start putting the, the symbols on a canvas, one will speak to another, and it becomes a process all of its own. Whatever I start out to paint is never what ends up on the canvas. <laughs> do you actually, when you give classes or anything, um, how do you get people in the zone? Do you put music on for them, or what do you do? Well, I have in the Quantum Healing Codes, the very last one is track number 22, and that is... Uh, the frequency of 396 and 528, which is uh, in many ways related to the heart. It's related to the diameter of the planet and the sun. And when you play those two notes together, it is a very harmonious, uh, beautiful, heart-opening vibration. So I like to start the workshops with people just closing their eyes and doing a figure eight over their heart 
breathing in that vibration. And people really just open up to that, and it's just a wonderful way to spend uh, to, to start the day. You know how people doodle. Uh, all my life, I've been doing the figure eight. <laughs> yes. So, um, isn't that? I think you you call that the super coil. I remember certainly right. Yeah, I've been looking since I attended a lecture by Valerie Hunt, who spoke about the body's ability to create scalar waves. And one of the ways she did that was imagining a figure eight going through the skeletal system. And honestly, I had trouble visualizing that. I I guess I learned later that she was looking at some of the meridian channels, the governing vessel and the conception vessel and how they, they flow. But at that time, I was so curious as to the figure eight, I, I started to look back through my um, anatomy books and... I discovered that the heart has the, a flow of blood that goes through the chambers of the heart that flow into each of the lungs. And so if you trace that flow, I find that there is a figure eight, and the heart is the largest electromagnetic generator in the body, and the blood contains a, a component of iron in the hemoglobin. So you have this real, real natural energetic flow, figure eight, that goes through the heart. But as I looked even deeper into the body, I found that in the mitochondria, the energy-producing cells, uh, organs in our organelles in our cells, there are thousands of them in most all the cells in the body. And they, a lot of times, those the DNA in the mitochondria are in the form of these elaborate figure eight, what they call supercoils. So I believe that the body contains these figure eight movements. Um, throughout. It's almost like a, a microcosm of the macrocosm in that way. This is going to be an odd question, but um, do you use the figure eight um, to maybe meditate with or to bring in more creativity? You can. Um, it's a great way to center yourself, to relax yourself, the the figure eight is, in my mind, the same as a Mobius coil. And the property of a Mobius coil is that when you have electrical current flowing in equal and opposite directions, that electromagnetic energy cancels each other out. And when it cancels each other out, it it almost goes, I would describe it as going into that quantum vacuum state it goes into that state of unlimited potentiality so when you're able to collapse that energy into that state of unlimited potential it gives us the opportunity to put back into that our intention so as the mobius coil is at figure eight is constantly collapsing all of our stresses all of our worries and it's opening up a field of opportunity for us then by breathing, um, I think the, the I look at breathing as Candace Burt talked about is the brain releases endorphins and these neuropeptides through our breath, and then it immediately goes into the heart and circulate. I can imagine it circulating through the, the Mobius coil in the heart, and that that I think is just puts us into connection with that that sort of that universal consciousness. It just opens the door to that creative space. 
Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes, I wanted to relate a story of um, the Tibetan monks. Uh, there was a practitioner in Grass Valley, California, who relayed that when the Tibetan monks would come into town that they had told a story about figure eights because they noticed in their healing work they used a lot of figure eight movements with their hands. And one of the monks relayed the story that, um, let's say, Monk Bob was um, woke up one morning with a very uh, acute pain in his side, kind of like over the liver. And um, Monk Bob had, was doing figure eights over the liver. And what was what was happening is that he recalled that the night before, during dinner, that Monk Tom cut in line in front of him at the at the cafeteria, let's say, and it made Monk Bob upset. Well, Monk Bob in the morning woke up to this pain in the liver, and energetically you might say the liver holds on to anger. And so Monk Bob, just pat, realizing where it was coming from, tapped into that sort of unconditional love and maybe forgiveness for Monk Tom or himself, and did these figure eight motions over the liver, and then the pain just went away. So what they were teaching is that the figure eight is a, a powerful modality. When you combine it with the emotion that's behind the pain or the discomfort. So in Monk Bob's case, he had to look into his reaction to um, to Monk Tom. So does it matter? What, I, I know my natural way of doing the figure eight, but does it matter which direction you go when you? No, I think that a lot of that, if not most of that, maybe all of it, is our intention. Um, I think that when we are moving that energy, but like I said, if we have the intention of forgiveness, the the intention of opening ourselves to that unconditional love, then to me that is the the strength behind that movement. So the key is how do we get in touch with that emotion? I mean, we have the the discomfort, but oftentimes on the mental level, we don't always connect the dots to where is that discomfort coming from. I was looking at some of your, your videos, and one of them showed a flock of birds, you know, flowing kind of just beautifully and gracefully as they as they transition back and forth over the sky, and each one of them just melded and and moved to you know the the rhythm. And I'm thinking that maybe the singing. I mean, it's kind of like um, it's a rhythm that is just um, it's almost like a heart rhythm if you look at it. It's just beautiful. Um, and I'm kind of questioning if. It's like when you're painting or you're doing anything like that, if if you thought about that and flowing with the energy of the universe and like the flock of birds that just, um, the one video is just tremendously visual. Well, I was very attracted to that image. I've, I've seen that oftentimes. I've seen it with how dolphins all swim together how fish all move synchronistically together. 
And it's amazing. It's really beautiful to watch how nature has its own flow, its own rhythm. And I'm always, I always marvel at how do the fish know when to turn all together? How do the flock of birds all know when to move together? These migration patterns, the, that herd um, mentality, um, that herd consciousness is a better term. And it's beautiful, and I believe that our heart is connected to that that universal consciousness. I think all that is driven by universal consciousness. And so I, I spend a lot of time looking at the human heart and how its vibrations are synchronistic or in sync with the vibrations all around us, the vibration of the planets, the vibration of, of, of nature. It's a beautiful image. I, I love it. Yeah. Well, it's like the the um, the energy of the planet. It's like the planet has its own meridians, and we're hooked up to them. Yeah. And it's it's like when the planet moves, and so do we. Yes. You know? It's like it's a telepathic message, and maybe that's the way of the birds or the fish, or maybe there's some kind of telepathic energy here that it, that that our body is able to tune into and we do it automatically maybe that's part of that I'm not sure what do you think well that is part of scale of heart connection that that workshop and that process is something that I developed over time with the help of others to allow us to tap into that um, that synchronicity with the planet, that rhythm with the planet, because I think that when we become brain conscious, dominant, we lose touch with that very subtle wisdom of the of the planet. And the fact that there is now what almost seven billion hearts on the planet, seven billion people, it's really important more than ever that our hearts are all harmonious so that we can maintain that that rhythm that is in sync with the planet. You know, as as you're talking, um it's making it more clear to me how, you know, when groups of people get together and pray for peace or they pray for something and it actually makes a shift or a change. So it's and you're talking about this heart connection, that's the complete key to it all. Yeah, I believe so. It is tuning in to the heartbeat of ourselves, to the heartbeat of others, to the heartbeat of the planet. When birds migrate and um, fish uh, migrate, to, they're connected to the uh, magnetic field of the Earth, if yes. I understand it correctly. Yes. So we must be also... Well, it's interesting you bring that up because there was just an article probably a week ago where scientists in the, at the University of Munich had discovered that there are these magnetocells in the brains of rats, which work very similar to those same cells that they have known are in fish, which would explain how fish are able to migrate and to be oriented on the planet but it had never um, been discovered that mammals have that. And so now when you see that rats have it, um, it's, it, it makes you wonder if human beings also possess that. And the answer is probably yes, and I know that's something that 
they're now working to to um, discover. But they felt that if humans like rats have these magneto cells in their brains, it would explain why many people are very sensitive to um, electromagnetic smog that's in our environment. A lot of people are very sensitive to cell phones and to you know different uh, electromagnetic interferences in the environment. That, well, yes. Um, I had a question, and it just left my mind. Um, <laughs> it had something to do with magnetic fields, but... So, if magnetic fields affect us, we probably, in the reverse, affect the magnetic field by yeah. our emotions and our um, our unconditional love or our uh, like a warlike behavior. I mean, that must affect the magnetic field also. Yes, uh, the. Institute of Heart Math has been doing studies that have shown that when there are large disruptive events on the planet, that that it does affect people's electromagnetic field. So we we do respond in a subconscious way on a global level to these events. And as I was saying earlier, I believe that the reverse is true. That and that's what what you're saying is that. It's so important that we as individuals take responsibility for our own, I don't know, the own, own purity of our heart, the, the unconditional love position of our heart, because we do affect those around us, and conglomerately we affect the planet and the environment, nature. It's quite a big responsibility, but I think we're seeing today in terms of where we are with the environment and the global economic environmental situation, just how important it is. So in your workshops, um, I know you have your basic workshops and then people can be certified. Um, can you explain um, what you are teaching in the workshop? I'm teaching people how to take a situation going back to Monk, Bob, and Tom, where they have a discomfort or they have a situation that is causing them unrest and helping them to tap into the wisdom of their own heart. So so many times when we have a problem, let's say it's a, an emotional problem or a situation with a, a spouse or another loved one, we often will respond from the conditioning of our of our minds of our of our brain conditioning and i look at these as like library cards in a library catalog where each card is a response that we learn from our mother or from our father or a teacher somewhere in our life's experiences we've learned to respond in these ways and then we call up those same cards just out of a matter of course the problem is oftentimes that our brain conditioning response isn't always appropriate. It doesn't always take into consideration the feelings of the other person. And so the workshop is designed to take those discomforts 
And instead of jumping right to the mind-brain conditioning response, is to let's take a moment and let's tap into our heart's wisdom and ask the heart how we could respond in a better, perhaps more positive, life-enhancing way. It seems like a big task, but actually when you look at, again, the Institute of Heart Math, where they're showing that more information flows from the heart to the brain, it's really uh, the, the problem is well, what happens to the information coming back? The, the brain takes the information and then kind of goes off in its own way. And it's really just a matter of our attention. It's a matter of our becoming aware of that and bringing the attention back into the heart and listening more to the heart. It's like completing the circuit or the completing the, uh, the figure eight. Yes, it's complete. that's perfect. It's completing the figure eight. Uh, it's bringing the heart into a more dominant role in that cycle. And when you do that, it's really amazing. It's really life-altering for people and how they respond to the daily situations that we encounter. It's like we're, uh, that's how we respond is... Um, it's like automatic. It's like we don't even think about it. We just respond this way. And and, and it sounds like what you're doing is creating um, a connection where you don't do things automatically. You connect in before responding. Right. And also, oftentimes, we we are aware that we respond this way or that way, and we're aware that it doesn't always work well for us, but we do it anyway. And so the question is, where does that response come from? Sometimes it's important to go back to the earlier experience and to look at maybe there's an ancestral pattern, there's a, a pattern that uh, mom or dad have that we have entrained with. And I think when our mental awareness becomes cognizant of where that conditioning comes from, and then combine that with another way, a more positive way that the heart has to offer, it really makes a great shift. You you really just find that it just shifts that, that perspective and we can move on in a much more positive way. Um, I like you... the writings that you had. Um, one of the writings that you had talked about the heart, um, about that we are actually received intuitively prior to an event actually uh, what's taking place. And I thought that was rather interesting. Yes, and I like to always give credit to the scientists, the people at Heart uh, HeartMath, because it's important, I think, in today's society that we ground a lot of this in scientific studies, and they have shown that, that the heart is responding to events before the brain is even aware that the event is happening. And that is really powerful information to know that the heart already knows this. We just have to put our mind out of the way a little bit and just pay more attention to that innate knowing, to the wisdom of the heart. Well, um, when 9-11 came, they, they had some instruments that you know measured the energy. Yeah, I don't really completely understand what, but anyway, it registered before nine eleven happened. Yes. So that meant intuitively, as a group of people, we knew this was going to happen. 
Yes, that was, that's what I was talking about in HeartMath, doing these studies that show on a global level we are collectively responding to these events even before we know what the event is. And, and HeartMath has shown that very clearly, that, and particularly 9-11, but they've done other ones where you've seen the instruments will change dramatically uh, hours, minutes before the event actually occurred. It's um, quite um, eye-opening. So you have a new book. It's it's out now, isn't it? It Your is almost out. There are a lot of charts and images, and it has taken more time than I thought to actually tie those those graphics together. But the book should be ready in three weeks. So to our listeners, if they're uh, interested in the book, you can hop in to the uh, website, Scalar heartconnection.com and it talks about the book and everything we've been talking about today and there's a movie coming out is that correct or a film coming out based on this work well I have um, another I had a part one of the video that is just kind of a clip just to give people a feeling for the work and currently I'm in production on part two of that which will take people deeper into more of the science behind it and then I do have a a screenplay that has been written that incorporates everything that we've been talking about at the level of a feature film and that is like all film projects is um, sort of in the position of looking for funding and producers that can help bring that to the big screen. It's it's one of those projects that I feel is so important for um, the global community today. And so it was written with this science in the background, but done in a way where the characters are in, engaged in this in an entertaining way so that it appeals to the mass the masses. I, I want this to be something that people see in the theater, theater and on DVD worldwide because I, I just believe that it is that important that people understand this information and the connection that we have with our between our hearts and our planet. That's really the the, the film is the title of the film is called Earth Beat, relating to the heartbeat of the planet. Not only are you an a painter, an author. Now you're a screenwriter. <laughs> well, I had help. I wrote the story, but I had help from a professional Hollywood screenplay writer. Um, she's uh, an award-winning screenplay writer, so I wanted to make sure that it was done right. It's just um, now in the process of trying to put um, funds together and finding executive producers that believe in this project. I, I want producers that are connected to the whole vision of this, you know, people that are connected in the way that you yourselves are promoting the work of, of the planet. So it's um, there are a lot of people out there. It's just, it's just this film needs to find the right people. Yeah, we have a lot of belief systems on our planet, um, Stefan, and so I'm kind of questioning... Um, as we merge, um, I guess in some format, I don't know whether it's going to be like the uh, flow of the fishes or, or the birds, it's like our belief systems have been been altered by different cultures and things like that. And 
and what is really true? What are we looking at um, uh, in this larger scope of things? And, um, and how do we get to that part where there's a synonymous type of uh, synchronization with, with, with everyone? And so that we can go in in um, in a in a better, blessed way for our planet and for ourselves. How do we get to that? I believe that we get to that through the heart. I think that when I look at the Sufis and their belief about the heart being the organ of the soul. You look at the word heart in the Bible is mentioned over 700 times. All these world religions, all these different meditation practices and belief systems all have that one thing in common, and that's the human heart. So I believe that when we all get back in tune with the human heart and get back in tune with the heartbeat of the planet and the universe, we will be embarking on a on a journey to higher consciousness like humankind has never never seen before or maybe has in some way distant past, but it's an exciting time. And I really believe that it all starts with us getting back in touch with our heart. Mm-hmm. So some of these realities will just kind of melt melt away then, you know, the the true essence of of where we all want to go will will be there maybe, huh? Yeah, I think, Taz, you're right, that when we connect with our heart, all those differences will automatically disappear and we'll be looking at a unified field of consciousness like we've never never even imagined. Now, everything's holographic, so our DNA and our hearts, um, is this little holographic pictures of, like our cell probably has the same thing as uh, our body as a whole, then it comes down to the, the smaller cell. Is that correct? Yes, it's I believe so. Yeah, I think that the the fabric of space-time itself uh, can be related to the vibration of the heart. I think everything is a, a harmonic or a, a vibration, a symphony, that the heart is tied into. Time and space is basically the foundation of that of that vibration. So when we tap into that through the heart, then we are at one with the source of that hologram. I, I see it, um, this belief system is growing quickly. It's like a snowball. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Don't you see that? Yeah, I have been doing this work since, I'm embarrassed to say, um, 18 years. And when I talked like this 15 years ago, people you know, looked at me like there was something wrong with me. But today, it's all over. It's, um, it's just growing. It's like uh, the consciousness is out there. It's Everybody is picking up on it. Everybody is just intuitively beginning to know this is true. And it's so exciting because when I talk about it people are all shaking their heads up and down so i feel like i'm 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 speaking to an audience that just immediately understands it it's quite um an amazing event it's um 
very heartwarming to experience it. I know I have a few friends, I'd say maybe three or four years ago, you could not talk to them about anything like this. And now they're all ears. Mm-hmm. Not, they're open. They want to hear more about it. So. Yes. It's exciting. We're in a, yes. a very exciting time. Now, do so, you do personal sessions still? Do I do personal sessions? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Um, that information is on scaleheartconnection.com. And there are other... Um, what I call heart mediators. These are people that have taken the workshop and they have demonstrated that they are competent in the process. So people are always welcome to experience it with with them as well. Um, I'm going to be doing lectures in Berkeley on August 7th and out in the Auburn area on August 8th. And in both of those lectures, which are free, I, I will be doing some free audience demos. So I try to get out and talk to people about it and then give them like a first-hand taste of of what it is. Uh, Where in Berkeley are you going to be? It's going to be at the Rudra Mandir Center. And Hmm. that information is on our calendar at scalarheartconnection.com. And that's August 7th uh, from 7 to 8 o'clock. And then again on Wednesday, August 8th in Auburn, which is in the foothills above Sacramento. I'm very close to there. Oh, you are. Wonderful. So I probably will be attending. (laughs) That will be awesome. And then on August 11th, I'll be doing a workshop there in Auburn. And that will be the all-day Scale of Heart Connection workshop. And there at the workshop, we teach people how to use the process, and then they have most of the afternoon to practice doing sessions and receiving sessions on each other. Is there a dialogue in the the sessions? I mean, do you you mirror what somebody's saying? Is that how that works? Well, it's based on the heart containing all of the aspects of the other chakras, of the other emotional centers. And so looking at the heart is knowing what emotion is being overactivated, there is um, a a menu system where you can ask the person to essentially pick a number related to one chakra or another, and the heart will start giving us numbers that are related to statements. And those statements are basically the message that the person needs to hear in relation to what negative mind conditioning they are expressing, as well as the positive that they need to replace that conditioning with. In other words, the positive, I mean the heart-centered response. And so it's a, a, a methodology where the heart is, is guiding the person themselves, so they have to get very in touch with their own heart. And the information that comes up is reaffirming. It verifies the system because they'll have an issue about something, and the very first thing they they pick, the heart will have a statement that is directly related to that issue. And so they begin to trust the system immediately. Sounds very interesting. It's been been fascinating to watch. Are you going to be in the San Francisco area or the Santa Cruz area or San Jose area? 
I I can be. I'm uh, available. I'm in Southern California, but I have family up in Northern California in the Bay Area. So it is not a problem for me to come to Berkeley or uh, San Jose, Santa Cruz at all. So someone just needs to put uh, together a group. That uh, if someone puts together a group, I I will you know when the hard calls, I will be there. And when your book is out, um, you could easily get into the East West Bookstore in Mountain View. Yes. Yes. So, do you have any stories about? Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, do you have any stories about uh, anyone that's taking your class and it's this kind of not only blew their mind but yours too as what what happened in healing process or physically or emotionally? Yes, I have. Um, I can give you a sample of um, someone's session. Would that be helpful? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is um, a, a young woman who is in a um, <clears throat> a custody battle and has to go to court. And it's one of those situations where she has been painted very unfavorably and is in a very distraught state, as you can imagine. So the night before she went to court, she asked for a session. And she felt like she had been surrounded by a lot of negativity and a lot of anger and even hatred coming at her from her ex-husband and even her children. And this was creating a lot of distress and she was having, she couldn't sleep for one thing, but the distress was not allowing her to really focus mentally and she was concerned of how she was going to present herself under this so much stress and duress. So that was the motivation for having the session. So through the the session, um, basically the message from the heart was that, um, that she needed to to basically acknowledge the feelings um, that, yes, she had been under a lot of grief and a lot of sadness. And just tapping into those emotions allowed her energy to just shift. It became The energy became very calming, and she allowed herself to acknowledge those emotions. Most of the time we just deny those emotions and we we just clamp them up so tight that it's almost debilitating. So her heart guided her to just be present in that feeling and to feel what she needed to heal, which was to just to trust the heart, to, to tap into that love that she has for her children and to allow that to be the the motivating factor or the guide in court. And so in the quantum healing codes, we have these different frequencies that are aligned with the chakras. And in this case, she needed to sort of integrate that, that feeling, that, op- that open-hearted feeling with one of the codes and also to do that figure eight. 
And she found that the that vibration, the sound, was so celestial, to put it in her words, that her heart just seemed to open, and she was able to reconnect with that sense of unconditional love for, in her words, for Christ and the universe. And she felt that everything just shifted, and she felt peaceful and trusting that not only is she loved, but allowing that love to flow through her. And later she called and said that she finally slept. She slept before court, and she had a very moving and loving dream, and that she went into court totally relaxed and calm, and she said that from her perspective that she felt a lot of um, positive support for her in court. We don't know the outcome, but it was a for her it was a very dramatic and very visceral experience of shifting from that that almost that the anxiety that the brain brings in from our conditioning and always just tapping into the fear of things. Instead shifting from the heart centered place where she went into the courtroom and just allowed herself to to be the loving person that she is. Well, if you shift, uh, all the energy around you shifts. So Exactly. Can't, can't so imagine help. if she had gone into court with that vibration of anxiety and anger and all that. I mean, that would not be the, the image that you want to bring into the courtroom. So this way she was able to go into court more open and more attuned to her, her natural loving self. That's a a very good example. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yes, thank you. So it's it's always looking at the situation and looking at how is our mind-brain conditioning responding and then seeing if we can't shift that response to something that is more heartfelt and therefore more on a level of unconditional love. And that changes everything. Sure does. Yeah. Ta- Taz, were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to let people know there is a phone number that um, um, Stephen has on his um, website, and we can give that out. And I, I have, uh, it looks like an 800 number as well. Um, do you want me to give both of them, um, Stephen? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, both of them, yes. Okay, so I have 760-777-7868. I'll repeat that one more time. 760-777-7868. And there is also an 800 number, which is 866-300-5243. And again, 866-300-5243. And uh, the and website is scalarheartconnection.com. Scalar is spelled S-C-A-L-A-R, and then heartconnection.com. Okay. And your website is just wonderful, Stephanie. Oh, thank you. Incredible. Yes, my, my brother developed that for me, so kudos to him. <laughs> and in the little film, whose voice is that? Uh, 
in the first video, that's um, that's my voice, unfortunately. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, I, it, it comes it's across. It's embarrassing. Pardon? No, it comes across. Yeah, it comes across like it's from the heart. Oh, good. Well, that was the in, the intention, but I'm still embar- embarrassed by my own voice. <laughs> I'll have to do some work on that. <laughs> well, I think we all hate to hear our own voices. <laughs> When I listen back to our interviews, I go, oh. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's the well, natural human. Well, stay tuned. I have part two of that video coming up in a few weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. And your book is going to be out soon. So My book is going to be out soon. I'm very excited about that because it goes into a lot more detail about the heart's connection with the the heartbeat of the earth with the how the heart is connected to the the diameter of the earth and the sun and all these numerical connections as well as taking people through the process and explaining how the process works there's a lot of examples like the one I just uh, shared so it allows people to get into a lot more detail than I can I can really talk about or lecture about so it's like a handbook almost. It is almost like a handbook. There's a, a lot of information, and um, it's about at least 10 years of, of research trying to dovetail this work with uh, more scientific fi- foundation. And it is just um, a very exciting um, book, I think. It's it's. Again, it's more than I can talk about in a lecture or even in a workshop. Sometimes if I go too deep into the numbers, you know, people kind of get glazed over. So I thought for those people that want to know more about the physics behind it, more about the numbers and how, uh, as Taz was talking about, the the way that nature, the fish and the birds are able to communicate, um, the book is, is for them. Now, do you ever work... What are you you referring to, Stefan? I'm talking about the the book that's coming out in three weeks called Scalar Heart Connection, which can be pre-ordered on our website. Okay. And uh, I think, Taz, this question was, you talked about numbers when you bring a a card out. Um, Can you explain a little bit about the the numbers you work with when you work with the... uh, the heart connection. Well, the heart connection is a—it's a method. It's a—it's a menu-driven method. So we ask the person to pick a number. Um, picking a number would be, say, pick a number one through ten, and, and it's related to, in this case, the a negative mind conditioning response that we are overactivating. And when the person looks deeper than themselves, and they try to figure out or they try to um, pick a number, that number kind of bubbles up from that unconscious. It bubbles up from that heart wisdom. And so uh, out of all the numbers 1 through 10, let's say the number 3 comes up, um, that 3 would be related to a statement that is giving them insight into what negative mind-brain pattern is being activated. And uh, it has never failed me that the statement that they 
that their heart chooses is always right on target with what is happening in their life at that moment. And conversely, the positive statement that the heart needs to convey to them is also chosen by a number, and that also lines up to what they really need to hear. So it's um, similar in some ways to the I Ching, and I like to remind people of the psychologist Carl Jung talking about how the I Ching uh, was um, an outward system that gave insight to an inner condition. And so scalar heart connection has been designed similar to that, where it um, helps people see on a, in an outward system what is going on on the inside. So are the statements always the same for the number? The statements are always the same for the number, yes. Um, sometimes they can be mixed up if someone gets too familiar with them. But uh, essentially, people don't remember what the statements are. There's, um, it can be anywhere from 1 to 10. In some cases, it might be 1 to 44. So people, it, it walks you through the, all the different steps so that um, you're picking the number related to the negative mind-brain uh, conditioning, picking a number for the positive, picking a number for the influence from an earlier experience, um, picking a number for the the quantum healing code that you might need to listen to. So every aspect of the of the process is delineated by the the sequence of picking numbers, which means that it's very simple that children can use it, um, parents can use it with their children on each other. You can do it for yourself. It's, it's designed so that anybody can can tap into their own heart. Yeah. This is your new book coming out, huh? Wow. Yes. <laughs> um, that's pretty neat. And so um, you said, is there? You said there's um, something else to help you transition through it. Um, did you say I missed it for some reason? Um, was there? Is there music or something or something else that helps people transition? Well, the quantum healing codes, as I heard in the beginning of the show, are the codes that Dr. Horowitz talked about in his book, The Bible Codes. These are the Sofegio codes. And what I've done is I've taken those same frequencies, but I've created chords from them. So they are combined in different ways that relate to each of the chakras and the different emotions. So they can be used very powerfully in conjunction with the scale heart movement so that when we know what is the positive aspect that we need, the positive statement for the heart, and we combine that positive thought or that positive frequency of the emotion with one of the tones and doing the figure eights, it can really help shift that, that energy right through into a new pattern and a new way of approaching things. Do you use color at all? The color is... I'm glad you mentioned that because each of these codes actually relate, if you convert the code to terahertz, which is in the trillions of cycles per second, now you're in the light spectrum, and each of those codes do correspond to one of the chakras. And as you might know, the chakras all have different colors based on their emotions. So I'm using vibration, and vibration is both audible, um, sensory, and, uh, and visual in terms of colors. So the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, for instance, today um, I've chosen um, a turquoise uh, shirt 
does that mean anything like throughout the day in the morning when we choose colors that does that help us and support us through the day? Well, yes. Um, oftentimes someone will come up with a, a, a negative emotion and, well, let's say a positive to do it, the reverse. I'll have a very um, a positive statement, and the positive statement might be about communicating their truth through their speech. And uh, then you would see that the code that comes up is related to the throat chakra, which is that cyan kind of uh, almost a turquoise blue. And so, and and a lot of times they'll be wearing a turquoise blouse or a turquoise scarf. Okay. So it's it's almost humorous in that way. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, we're so excited to have a book uh, about to be uh, broadcast and born into our hands. Uh, okay, so um, let's give well, out like you're already. Let's get out uh, Stephanie's yeah, website get... one more time. Okay, it's Scalar. Uh, that's S C A L A R HeartConnection.com. Again, Scalar HeartConnection.com. And you know what? I switched and I don't have the phone number. So you want to give us the phone number? Uh, yes, the toll free is eight six six three zero zero five two four three. And for those that need a non-toll-free number, it would be uh, 760-777-7868. Well, we thank you so much for being with us today, Stephanie. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure, and I really do uh, appreciate and respect the, the mission that you have. Oh, thank you. Our hearts are beating and all happy. Oh, good. <laughs> Mine, too. Mine too. Mine <laughs> too. Uh, and Taz, I have I have turquoise on too. <laughs> there you go. Oh, really? That's a, yeah. So See, you're speaking. You're speaking from your hearts. Oh, God. So, so well, we're in two different right. places. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Stefan, for being with us, and we thank look forward you. to meeting you. Thank you. I'll bye probably bye. see you in Auburn. Bye bye. Yes, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.